right, so um, <laughs> we're gonna continue continue thinking about that if there's no specific questions and uh wanted to start the class if everybody i'll just start in the front if everybody's got their bible y'all just grab these verses uh don't read them yet ephesians 2 1 2 2 2 3 miss sandra verse 5 gary verse 12 uh mr malcolm would you mind uh, ephesians 2 13 um miss kelly Colossians 1.22, Mark, Colossians 2.13, and Jerry Sullivan, 1 Timothy 1.15. Let's let everybody get there for a second. You said Ephesians 2? Colossians 2.13, yeah. All right, and I just want to, let's just go through the order once everybody's there and and everyone else listen, uh, just at those verses as we read those and then... Uh, that'll be our jumping off point. So go ahead, Jerry. And you, who, and you who he made alive, who were dead in trespass and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Hey, Miss Sandra. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Okay, Mr. Malcolm. I'm sorry, was that 233? 213. 213. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I might... No, that's okay. I'm the screen there. And you who were dead in your trespasses... And to the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Okay, and then Jerry, 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners in whom I am Jesus. Alright, what do all of those passages have in common? Besides the fact Paul wrote them all. Don't pick that. So. Conversion. Hmm? Conversion. Conversion? What about even prior to that? Conversion from what? Yeah, recognition that we're all in sin, right? A reminder. And, and Evan talked about that at the beginning of his lesson, and I and I appreciate that. And that's, that's kind of what we're going to focus on in this is you know, Paul, in, in all of these passages, uh, these aren't all of them. Uh, Peter also does it uh, in places. He, he recalls or points to uh, who we once were, who they once were. And as we read it, you know, the same applies to us, who we, weren't, who we once were and what our condition once was. Mark? Yeah, he calls himself chiefest of sinners and also makes claim of himself that... Um, you know, it wasn't somebody who violated his conscience, you know, so, you know, if you think about Paul in those terms and him writing all that stuff, you know, even uh, 
with a clear conscience. You know, he would acknowledge. Right. That he still was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. That he was sinning against God and in a bad way based on the way he describes right. himself. Even in ignorance. Like, right. You know, that, mm-hmm. that we're all that person one way or the other. Right. All right. And so... You know, and, I, and and obviously everybody in the room understands that and, and, and would agree with that, that, yeah, uh, we all are sinners. We all uh, were alienated from God uh, in, a, in a bad uh, state in God's eyes. Uh, and, and so <clears throat> when you think about this and, and you see the frequency that, that Paul, that, that's what jumped out to me, the frequency that Paul... Uh, brings this topic up and points to who uh, we once were. Uh, it, it jumps out as me, at me and, and it makes me, you know, uh, kind of notice it and, and think, you know, why is Paul over and over again refer back to uh, who we once were and what our condition once was? Um, and that, that's what I want to talk about is what, what would be the purpose uh, in Paul doing that? Uh, is he just pointing back to that uh, just as a fact thing, or is he pointing to that for some other reason? Well, he preached a lot to people who've never heard the word before, for one, mm-hmm. to be appropriate. Right. That's right. These passages that we read uh, were people who, for the most part, didn't know about uh, even the Jews much. You know, these were Gentile people. What else, Mark? I'm just going to say that. Uh, if you don't recognize the need for Christ, uh, it's going to be really impossible to uh, submit and do these things that we need to do in, in recognition and embracing the grace of Christ. Right, right. That's that's right. And that you know that is uh, really kind of what what direction I wanted to go in uh, is that Paul has a purpose in pointing to that, right? And and his purpose is for us to realize. Uh, the great things that have been done for us. When I when I look at all of Paul's writing in the New Testament and, and the other apostles also, uh, when you read the rest of Ephesians, uh, since that was where our, our verse or our, our topic was for this morning in chapter 2, when you read the rest of the book of Ephesians and, and Colossians and, and all over the rest of the New Testament, you know, it seems to me Paul's trying to stir up a logical response. He's saying, look at what has been done. Look at where you were. Uh, it wasn't a good place. Look at what has been done for you and where you are now. Uh, and he wants the readers and those he's writing to and, and us as well to have a response to that, doesn't he? He's not just writing that just to, to tell them that. He's looking for a certain Response that that's supposed to motivate them and us uh, to do something, um, and let's flip to Ephesians uh, chapter two. <clears throat> and read a little bit more of that. Uh, if, if we think about what Paul's writing, especially here in Ephesians, if you read the whole book, I think you can see that. You know, he, he wanted them to know how dire their previous condition was, uh, the great lengths that God had gone to to provide salvation, uh, and to realize uh, how great of a gift that was uh, and how much grace and mercy that took uh, for God to do that for us. And, and for, for us as Christians, we have to have that 
understanding uh, really at the foundation of our service to God for us to be able to, to follow Him. One of the things when we were studying the idea of gratitude, you know, there were these secular type measures that we were able to find, uh, you know, where psychologists had gone and, you know, calculated how it is you uh, measure how, how uh, the response of gratitude is elicited uh, uh, or whatever, and it's uh, one of the measures was the magnitude of the gift, you know, when you're talking about a response and gratitude to a gift, what are the different measures? How, how can you right. measure how, what kind of response you're going to get? And there was a whole bunch of matrix, uh, matrix that were described as contributing to that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, so and one of them was, you know, uh, the planning, you know, the planning aspect of it, you know, how much forethought went into providing the gift. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and one of them was the measure or the magnitude of the gift. And he's talking about really both of those things in those books. Right. That's exactly right. And, and so from our standpoint, again, we, you know, we always say this, but we can understand that in our, in our daily lives, right? If, uh, if somebody gives me a Reese's peanut butter cup, I'm grateful for it. But, you know, if somebody gives me a new truck, I'm going to be more grateful for that, and, and I'm going to have some, some uh, I'm going to feel some different feelings and obligations towards the one that gave the greater gift, right? Uh, same way you're talking about the, what you were describing of the amount of effort someone goes through. So think about, um, think about a, somebody taking me out to eat for my birthday versus somebody planning a surprise party. For my birthday and and going through all that effort to put that together you, you know the the feeling i'm going to have is hey they they went through a lot of effort right to do that uh and so paul in, in these writings is showing us the amount of effort god has gone through the great lengths he's gone through to provide us this salvation and and again i think it's all and it, it, we're going to see this in the, in his writings it's all pushing us towards having the proper response in that in that gratitude uh, for what's been done for us. And so and you've got to recognize that that logical <coughs> response is something that the world can't. I mean, in other words, like you said, he's looking for a logical, reasonable response to the, you know, right. the presentation of this information. And this isn't, you know, it's not uh, voodoo or spirit world stuff or whatever. It, this is how things work. Right, right. You know? He, like you said, he's appealing to a logical response to the, this set of facts, and he's trying to get them to, to in a lot of cases, re-embrace right. this set of facts. Right, that's exactly right. Stephen? At the same time, these are spiritual concepts that he's wanting them to believe and understand. Mm -hmm. These are things that we can't see with our physical eye. Right, right. right. That, that, that he has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. We have to believe that, and we have to believe that even today. And just because we can't see, you know, I mean, when, when someone becomes a Christian, it's not like some halo appears on their head or something, you know, crazy like that. It's, 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 an in, it's in the interest of he's encouraging them to say, like, look how bad it was. Look where you were. And now look at these things that, you really need to be trained to be able to see. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Uh, and so let's look in, in Ephesians chapter 2 and, and 3. We're going to just read a couple of sections there. Just kind of building, I guess, my case or showing Paul's case here of how he is describing these great things that have been done. Um, what we got? Who we got? Bowie. Would you mind reading two, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, please? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of men. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, thank you. Um, and so you see... You kind of see this back and forth he does here, right? He he tells them how bad it was, and then uh, in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which, which he has loved us, and then back to verse 5, Even when we were dead in trespasses. He, you know, it's this back and forth of it was bad, but God was good. It was bad, but God was good. Um, you know, verse 7 again, The ages to come He may show the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's Paul's uh, way of reasoning with us and, and way of, of, of trying to reason to the Ephesians and remind them and, and stir them up to continue uh, in being faithful to God. Uh, if you look, you know, just glancing through there, you can continue to look in chapter 2. He, he goes with this back and forth again in verse 11. Remember that you were once Gentiles uh, who were called uh, by the circumcision uncircumcised and you were without Christ in verse 13, but now uh, you have been brought back near with the blood of Christ. And, and so over and over again, this back and forth uh, concept or, or way that uh, Paul is pleading with them and reasoning with them, uh, wanting this response of faithfulness and encouraging this response of faithfulness from them. Um, flip over to chapter 3. In chapter 3, let's read uh, 14 through 21. Uh, Katie, you mind reading? Okay. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Okay, uh, so, you know, what is Paul, 
two things I felt like I could see in that passage about Paul. One is obviously his appreciation for what's been done. Uh, and two, uh, his wish for them uh, is to, for them to know the love of Christ, for them to know that God's love has done these great things for uh, them. And, and again, think about the, the response that he's wanting as he's saying all this, the, the response that, that Christians are expected to have uh, in, in what's considering what has been done for us. Um, you know, ultimately, I, I guess if you want to say that the foundation of, of a Christian's service to God, uh, to me, really has to be based uh, in us realizing how much love has been shown for us and, and how much grace has been bestowed on us. Uh, and, and once we realize that, uh, that'll, that should uh, trigger the same response that we see of faithfulness from the apostles and, and faithfulness uh, from the Christians that we read about in, in the New Testament. And that, that kind of goes along with the context in chapter 3 of the revealed mystery. And right. Who was revealed and who helped to reveal it. Mm-hmm. That's why, for example, we should be continually thanking God for the work of his apostles. Right. And appreciating what they went through to preserve these things. That's right. And so, you know, in thinking about that, if we're, you know, I have, a, I have all these terms written here, and, and, and a lot of these we've talked about in the last year or two here in different classes. Uh, you know, Mark referenced our study on gratitude. Uh, think about, you know, we're going to talk mainly about uh, love here in a minute. Uh, but think about thankfulness, gratitude, duty, honor, and service. You know, those are all terms that should come to our mind uh, when we think about the proper response to someone doing something great for us. Uh, again, thankfulness, gratitude, uh, duty, honor, service. You know, those are all things that that in our our daily lives and dealing with people, you know, all things I think we understand and, and grasp. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's the logical thing here that Paul is trying to get us to see and understand and grasp about uh, being a Christian and our response to, to what God's done for us. Um, and so that, the passage we read in Ephesians talked about uh, Paul wanting them to know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. Um, and that's what, I, that's what I want to talk about the remainder of the class you know, in, in Evan's uh, sermon a few minutes ago, he had several verses that talked about or contrasted our love for the world with our love for God or Christ, right? And what, what, what's the take-home message of, of those two things being contrasted? Which, obviously, which one are we supposed to love? Christ, right? Uh, we're not supposed to have a love for the world or the things of the world. Our love is supposed to be geared... Uh, towards the Father uh, and towards Christ and towards those things. And, you know, everyone here, I think, understands that. Um, And so what does our love for the Father and our love for Christ, what actions does that lead to? What does that cause us to do? Um, There's a lot of passages, I think, Again, all, all through the epistles in the New Testament that, that show us what our love for Christ and what our, our love for God should cause us to do and what that should look like. Um, Jesus, 
lift us an example and teachings. Turn back to John chapter 5. Just in thinking about what, as a Christian, what should our love for God uh, translate? Or how, how would that look? It's not just something you know that's in our mind. It's something that's in our actions. Uh, someone read, uh, John, would you mind reading John 5, 19 through 21, please? Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own but only what he sees the Father doing. But whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. And he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And just as the Father arise, raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom he wants. The Father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son so that all people may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son but does not honor the Father sent <coughs> him. Okay. And so keep that in our mind and then flip over to John chapter 14. And just looking at, at this relationship between God and Jesus uh, and understanding what Jesus' attitude and thoughts were towards the Father and, and how uh, he <clears throat> uh, lived according to the Father's will. Um, okay, Corey, would you mind John fourteen nineteen through 21, please? A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has keep my commandments and keep them, it is he who loves me. And my and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Keep on going through uh, 24, please. <clears throat> Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and he will come to him and make him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my word, and the word which hear and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Okay, and so you know we see these these words of Jesus here talking about um, the love for him, the love he has for the Father, and and what our love for them would look like, and. And, you know, what does Jesus translate that to? He says, you know, if someone loves me, they're going to keep uh, the words that he commands. They're going to they're going to follow the words of Jesus and, and the teachings uh, that that uh, come from God. And so, you know, that and that's the message, you know, really uh, throughout the New Testament, uh, throughout the whole Bible is that, that this love for God and this appreciation uh, for what God has done for us is shown through our submission to Him and, and through uh, our obedience to Him. Think about what does Philippians tell us about Christ? Uh, Philippians 1, I believe it is, 5, yeah, verses 5 through 8. When Christ was here on earth, what did He do? Someone wants to read that. Philippians 
Uh, I don't know. Let me get there. Is it two? About uh, being obedient unto death? Yeah, two. Read that for me, please, Mr. Gary. Yeah. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Okay, so... You know, again, I just wanted to look at those verses and be reminded of those, that that was Jesus' mind, and that's the mind that we should have of, of this humbling ourselves uh, and being coming obedient to the Father. Uh, and, and again, that we're going to look at some other verses, but that, that is how uh, really our love towards uh, God and towards Jesus and, and towards what has been done for us is, is illustrated. <clears throat> Turn to uh, Romans chapter 6. Again, in thinking about our love for God um, and what, what response Paul would be looking for in, in describing all of these great things that have been done for us, you know, he, he shows us the proper response or tells us the proper response throughout all of his writings. Uh, you know, somebody summarize what, what's Romans 6 telling us? That the proper response is. Well, we don't read. We don't need to read the whole chapter. But. To walk in that newness of life. Yeah, walk in newness of life. Put to death the old life uh, and walk in the new life. Right. Uh, don't be a slave to sin, uh, but be a slave to God. Uh, and, and again, submitting to Him. Uh, what about, and we're just kind of running through these, what about 1 Corinthians chapter 3? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <laughs> yeah, get away from the carnal mind. Um, what about Galatians chapter 5? That's the walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. Uh, <clears throat> we've studied that, I believe, a year or so ago about the fruits of the spirit and, and those are compared against the works of the flesh. And, and so again, it's over and over again throughout the, the entire New Testament is this, this proper response, right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, you know, that was our... Ephesians was our uh, kind of our base text for this morning in chapter two. But as you, again, as you read uh, through the rest of the letter that he wrote to the church there in Ephesus, you see him encouraging or wanting this certain response. And, and in chapter four, um, it's talking again about putting on the new man and and putting off the old man. And I, I think that's a concept that. You know, obviously it's throughout the New Testament, but one that, that we've talked about in here often, uh, and, and one I just, I wanted to bring up all of those sections as a reminder that that is what Paul's getting at. That is the proper response that, that God expects from us. A couple of the references you brought out, Galatians 5 and Romans 6, I mean, are really linked in terms of, you know, for example, Romans 6, 14, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. I would refer to that in context as being you're not under a system of law but a system of grace um, we need to remember that that this is not just 
we're not just following a bunch of rules and keeping up the rules and everything. Because if we do that, all we're going to be focused on are the, sh are the shallow aspects. Right. Of this. Mm -hmm. that we're just going to be doing enough to get by. This has to be a matter of the heart that I'm, I'm bound to him in my heart. And I'm going right. to serve him. Whatever he says that I need to do, I'm going to do. Right. And, and I think that's much, a much better motivation than just simply... Okay, what rules can I break and what rules can I break? Right, you know? and and the only way to get to that point is to have that good understanding deep in our heart of what's been done for us, you know, <laughs> and, and for that to be our foundation ultimately. Uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's sort of the irony about how some of our brethren get it wrong because they want to try to say it's all about grace and then they just pick and choose what they want to follow. Well, that's not... That's right. not the reality. That's not what it really is. If my heart is bound to God, I'm going to do whatever He says. I'm going to want to know everything about what He says. And I'm not going to push aside or pick apart, try to say, well, I have to follow this, but I don't have to follow this. I want to right. know all of it. Right, and so it's really a, ultimately a deep-seated attitude or mindset that we that we have to have or develop within ourselves of of doing those things that God wants us to do because of what God has done for us and our desire to to show our thankfulness and our gratitude uh, for that. Um, at a couple more passages, uh, Colossians chapter 3, you know, I, I keep saying over and over again, and I'm, I'm bad about kind of starting to repeat myself sometimes, but I keep saying that Paul is pushing for this response. Uh, wanting this response or trying to, to build a case that logically leads to a certain response. And I, I think we can see in these next couple of passages, um, Paul using words here that even show that that's what he's been trying to do. In Colossians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 1, he says, If then, okay, what, what would if then mean? It's, it's leading towards a, a logical conclusion, right? He's saying, if all these things I've been saying is what, what has happened, if that's the case, then this. Uh, yeah, just like therefore. That's correct. Um, I'd also say, Matt, that, that if then links up to chapter 12 in the previous, uh, excuse me, verse 12 in the previous chapter, buried with him in baptism. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of, you know, if then you were raised with Christ, that's, that's when that happened. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so you see this if-then there in, in chapter 3, um, and then what follows it? Let's read uh, 1 through 11. we got Bobby, can you see well enough to do that? Okay, Colossians 3, 1 through 11. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which us on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, and Lord, make uh, affectionate, evil, conspicuously, and conviction, which is idolatry. 
For which things seek the wrath of God cometh the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walk from time when he lived in them. But now ye also put off all things anger, wrath, malice, blaspheming, filthy, communication out of your mouth. Lie not to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, or man, bond or free, but Christ is all. And <coughs> all. Okay, thank you. And, and you could continue reading there and see more things. You know, he basically goes through a list there of things not to do uh, that are pro- part of this proper response. And, and then starting in verse 12, he get in, gets into things we are to do or to be uh, as part of this uh, proper response that, that we're supposed to have towards the grace that's been shown to us. Uh, flip back to Romans. Uh, one of my favorite passages in Romans 12 just wanted to look. It's kind of the same scenario then. In Romans, Paul, again, urging this proper response for what's been done. And in chapter 12, starting in verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Okay, so what is it to beseech someone? You're pleading with them. You're wanting them to do something. Uh, you're wanting a certain response. And, and what is his reasoning there in verse 1? For wanting that response. What is the, the logical reason? How is he beseeching them? By the mercies of Christ, by the things that God has done uh, for them and for us, or the mercies of God, excuse me. And and so again, we're not going to read all that. It's the same same setup as what we've been looking at in all these other uh, epistles of this response for the grace and mercy that's been done, the gift that God has given us is for us to be uh, servants of His. And, and uh, he even calls it there in verse 1 of chapter 12, which is your reasonable service. Um, and so, you know, again, showing that, that this, is, this is a reasonable conclusion. This is something that, that uh, is not out of the blue. It's something that everyone uh, should be able to wrap their mind around and understand that you know this is what God would expect. Uh, Yes, ma'am. Those things which are above. So we know what Christ is saying here is uh, those things. He says, set your affection on things above. So if we, as Christians, you know, will uh, obey the word, which is Christ talking here, then we can uh, follow and uh, walk in steps. Right, that's right. Right, and that you know that's the point. I guess I keep uh, trying to drive home there. Um, you know, really, you hear the term, and, and you even see it in the New Testament uh, in places about Christians being called out by God, uh, and this is part of how we're called by God. Right? It's not it's not uh, a whisper in the ear or or a loudspeaker, you know, through the clouds or anything. It's God, uh, through His Word, showing us what has been done for us. And, 
and that should call us to have this proper uh, response and and submitting to him and and serving him. Uh, he tells us what he's done for us and expects us to respond in the right way. Is you know if you had to sum it all up, uh, and you know that that's really all I have. We're a few minutes early. You know, next week uh, we're going to talk about Jerry and I. Uh, Jerry Green and I have have the sermon and the follow up, and we're going to, I guess, look at a little bit further about some of our proper response uh, and look at uh, being servants and how uh, that is one of the things. You know, right there in in Romans we looked at that, and and that's one of the things God God describes us as servants of His. We're told to be servants of one another. Uh, Jesus left us an example to serve one another and be servants of each other. And so uh, that's what we'll talk about next week. But th- that's, again, all part of, of this logical response to what has been done for us. Any thoughts or other comments? Y'all tired of hearing me say logical response? I think I've said that about a hundred times. <laughs>